Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Beyond Football Show. I'm here today with Jimmy, uh, also known as Future Classics 89 on Twitter. Introduce yourself, mate. Hi, how you doing? Uh, I'm Jimmy. I'm from Glasgow. I'm a big Celtic fan. I'm a teacher, and I've been collecting shirts for about on and off my whole life, maybe, but probably taking it a bit more seriously the last 10 years. Amazing. And what, what shirt are you wearing today, mate? I have got on a Germany 92 away shirt. I'm not too sure of the year. I think it's 92. Uh, it's a green away shirt with the Adidas equipment logo and some nice German flag sleeves. I bought this from the NI Classic shirt company um, over in Belfast. Uh, one night I was just sitting up listening to some music and having a few drinks and decided to pull the trigger on it. But I had had my eye on it for a while, but it's probably the nicest non-Celtic shirt in my collection. Uh, so it's also quite a generous fit as well. So enjoy wearing it. Happy days. No, it looks really, really nice, mate. I love the detail on the on the sleeves of the German flag. It looks really, really cool. Yeah, I probably prefer international shirts because I'm I'm not a massive fan of shirt sponsors. I, I do feel sometimes that they they do add to a shirt and they, they make you think of an era. But like Celtic for for the last ten years or so, I've produced shirts that are available to buy without the sponsor. Oh, okay. So, so, so kind of alongside the normal release, you get a sponsor and sponsorless. Yes, I think it's because we've, for the last 20 years or something, we've always had a either a gambling or alcoholic sponsorship partnership. So I don't know if it's for people who, I don't know, don't want, maybe, you know, you don't want to advertise alcohol on your shirt or um, I don't know why they do it because other clubs are, are sponsored by drinks and gambling sites and I don't think they offer that, so I don't know why we do, but it's it's a it's a good good feature. Um and I'll certainly take them up on it. I think I think it's well with Celtic because it's such an iconic strip, the home strip. It's always nice to just see the plain green and white hoops. So Yeah, de definitely. Yeah, it's um I mean it's 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 pretty similar with West Brom, really. Like a lot of our shirts over the years have had um, yeah, gambling, alcohol, kind of whatever sponsors on, but we, we've never really had the other way. There was, um, I can't remember exactly what year, we did have one year where we didn't actually negotiate a sponsor at all. Our chairman at the time, uh, Jeremy Peace, was quite uh, financially uh, financially shrewd and kind of switched on and he wanted to make sure he was getting the deal. And if he didn't get the right deal, we, uh, we didn't have a sponsor. So we did have a whole season with no shirt sponsor at all but since then we've had um obviously we, we've had loads we've had uh, like t-mobile which is on my on my jumper right now uh one yeah. of my favorites um and i quite like the one we've got at the moment as well uh, ideal boilers which is something a bit different i'm sure have you seen the boiler man no <laughs> <The mascot. laughs> i think i have actually has he got like a big needle for a head or am i thinking of something else I think you're thinking of a different, but, but Google him after this. It is it is quite funny. Obviously, we've got Baggy Bird, who's our mascot. 
and yeah. then uh, and then we've got the sponsor mascot who is literally uh, a man dressed in like a dressed up as a boiler a big box <laughs> a team of mills who i would associate with west brom as their as their sponsor um i always think of they had they had a couple of nice shirts they have adidas for a while yeah we had um adidas for a number of years um we've umbro umbro yeah back in that was before 2010 if i remember rightly yeah um and we've also had uh like this jumper was from uh the uh the diodora era classic and uh yeah puma at the moment that's our current one yeah, I think I think Scotland had Diadora for a while, and they actually produced some really nice kits. They produced one for Scotland that had a, a sort of gold trim. Uh, it was when I think it was two thousand and eight, when or two thousand and seven, when we were trying to qualify for Euro two thousand and eight, uh, and we beat Scotland fans will probably correct me on this, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was when we beat France in the uh, home and away in the in the in the like in the qualification groups, but we still managed to somehow not get to the tournament, typical Scotland. <laughs> That's it, yeah. I, I think the Diodora looks nice. I've actually um, I've actually got one at the moment, a, a Scotland Diodora one. I think it was, I think it's from 06. Really, really nice shirt, really good quality. I think they're quite underrated. It's not like they're talked about. Obviously, you've got your Nike, your Puma, um, you know, Adidas, Retro, Kappa, is another massive thing which are you know really appreciated but yeah the uh so there's been really solid diodora shirts coming out over the years i always think of the one um that, that roma had it was around the time of i always remember it because totti was in the cover of pro pro evolution soccer uh him and uh, again correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure he was in the cover with with Henri or something like that, and they, they were, like, Pro-Ev didn't have the licence for the strips, but they had the licence for some of the team's kits, and Roma was one of the ones that had the the, the team shirt, but it was, a, it was a pretty nice shirt. Yeah, brilliant. No, I mean, Roma have had some amazing shirts over the years, haven't they? Like, home, away, thirds, and obviously they look even better with, like, a, you know, like a Legends name set totty obviously being the perfect example on the back yeah I've, i I want to add a, a roma shirt to my collection i've been to roma a couple of times and i've, I've always wanted to add a shirt so I've, I've decided this year i'm going to try and get some there's like clubs that i don't know why i can't explain why but i have a like an affinity to or i just just want to get one of their shirts so i think that's one of my goals this year for my shirt collecting is to is to try and get like a really nice shirt that I'm happy with. And I think for Roma, that's going to be... I like the third shirt this season, but I like the um, the shirt, the away shirt from, I think it was last year or the year before. And it was white, but it had like a sort of like a lightning bolt down the front of it. I don't know if you can picture it. Yeah, um, I know which one you mean. It's really, really nice. And I wasn't too fussed on it. And then somebody said, oh, that's the David Bowie shirt. And I was like, I need to buy it now because... <laughs> Boyfriend, so <laughs> there we go, perfect match. Yeah, so we'll need to pick that up this year at some point. Amazing. So, so would you say that the, the like the other teams, obviously being a Celtic support, the other teams that you like to collect, is that linked to kind of like places you visited before? I mean, I quite like buying Munich shirts, but that's because 
I visited there um, a couple of years ago now and really, really enjoyed it. So I've always kind of kept an eye out for their results and try and pick up shirts when I see them. And obviously they're in my right size and, you know, they're, they're something that I would wear kind of realistically. Yeah, um, I've always tried to pick up shirts when I've, when I've been away on trips, whether it's possible or not. But I think just, I don't know why, sometimes you just have an, an like a, a, just a reason for liking, like I like Feyenoord for some reason, but I, I, I think it's maybe just that slight underdog thing where the, it's just because they're just not Ajax, so I, I seem to like them. Um, <laughs> yeah. And their stadium's really cool and their fans seem brilliant. Uh, but yeah, there's just, there's maybe another one, a good example is like Borussia mentioned Gladbach. Um, you know, I had no affinity for them before, but Celtic played them at Celtic Park, and we'd been in town um, having a drink and stuff with their fans. The fans were really spot on, you know, really nice people and just good football people. And then, like, obviously, nights at Celtic Park are famous for the atmosphere, but I would say that the Celtic support were outsung that night by you know, their corner of fans were just brilliant for 90 minutes and it's not often that that happens. So I think because we put so much effort into our support, you respect it when other people do it, do it as well as you do it. Yeah, So Tons of teams. Um, St. Pauli, I've been to see them. Uh, I remember, like, being in there probably about eight years ago or something now, but... I was in their club shop and they had all the previous season shirts for like 10 euros. And oh, I picked wow. a, I gave them out to like my friends and my cousin and stuff like that when I came back. And like, I think I just maybe sold some on eBay over the years. And then I think back to it now and it was like, I actually think some of them were like player issue shirts because they had like blank like templates with on the back with numbers. But I think they were just, because they were like, Big sizes. I think they were just trying to get rid of them, but uh, maybe they were, or maybe they weren't. But there's been a, like times over the years as, as a shirt collector where you you try and generate cash because you want to buy something, so you have to make sacrifices, and then you kind of look back at it and go, and you think, was that the right decision? <laughs> that's it. That's it. And that's I think that's the thing. You know, with with collecting and buying football stuff, there's always something new, isn't there? There's always a new shirt. There's something new that comes out. So you constantly want to update your collection, but sometimes that is at the detriment, obviously, of stuff that you've already got. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I was really bad for that as well, where I would be buying shirts and then you'd want to make a big purchase, so you'd end up having a bit of a clear-out and you end up getting rid of some really, really nice stuff. I think back on some of the stuff I've got rid of over the years and could kick myself but I'm sure every shop collector's got regrets yeah no 100% definitely so um so so taking things back obviously um you know we've touched on your football shirt collection here and it's obviously you know somebody you're obviously somebody who's been you know fascinated and interested in football you know all your life but can you remember your your earliest memory can you remember like way way back when was that first moment where you started to kind of fall in love with the game yeah, um, my dad took me to see Celtic. Uh, Celtic were playing at Hamden for a season because they were rebuilding Celtic Park and we went along to a game. I must have been about four, maybe five. And we were playing Motherwell. We drew one each. Celtic were terrible in the 90s compared to, well, they're terrible this season, but, they, you know, <laughs> just won 12 trophies in a row, you know. We've, we've, we've been pretty good over the last decade or two. 
but during the nineties, they were absolutely terrible. But I just loved the the noise and the amount the the vast amount of people that were there because you had never seen that before, and just uh, probably the excitement of the goal. But I remember Paul Paul Lambert. He was playing for Motherwell at the time, and uh, he went to take a corner, and he, as he was walking back. He, he tripped over an advertising board and, and fell. So I think that's a bit the only memorable thing from that game. I, I, but, I imagine I imagine he got some stick for that off the supporters. Well, yeah, I think so. Um, but outside of Celtic, I think my earliest football memory. I remember my dad sitting down to watch the '94 World Cup final and seeing the 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 Brazil shirt and the and Italy. Uh, the Italian shirt as well, um, but I can't really, I was really young at that point, I was, again, I was born in 89, so I'd have been five, if, even if I was five by that point, um, so I don't remember the game, but I think for me, outside of Celtic, my biggest football memory was, uh, earliest memory was Euro 96, and just the, the, the excitement of that tournament, what it brought to Scotland and England, to just the whole... Um, you know, the countries were just buzzing. Um, it was a really hot summer and there was lots of great football. I just think uh, 90s football was just out of this world when you look back on it. That's but, it, you know. I think it's 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 like you, you, you look back on those times. Obviously, I was I was really, really young as well. But, you know, from my reading and research and watching stuff online, because there's so much stuff out there now, you know, it, it really is, uh, you know, especially in the UK, it's such a massive event, isn't it? The Euros, the World Cup, you know, everything, it's, you know, it means so much to so many people. Yeah, absolutely. But I think back then, just, you know, Scotland had a good team, England had a good team, but like the, the gulf, like the chasm between the two teams wasn't what it would be now, you know, England, every player for England's probably a, a top class, if not a world class player. Whereas back then, it, it was probably just a, a a Premiership standard, and I think Scotland was the same. We would have had a few guys playing in the English league and the Scottish league. You, you know, Rangers had a good team at that point as well. Celtic had a few good players that um, made up. So I think the excitement around that Scotland and England game, the build up to it. I remember getting. Uh, the paper and you could cut out the rosette to like pin to your top you know just that sort of like old school um, excitement for a football match obviously England went on to, to win it and Gascoigne scored a fantastic iconic goal and it was at the old Wembley as well um, McAllister missed a penalty so yeah just uh, that's one of the games that really uh, sticks out for me just having that excitement of oh maybe we could maybe we could win and then obviously the the feeling of we didn't you know the disappointment after but yeah yeah uh, becoming a football fan because that's what you how you feel most weekends you know that, that's it and I think like what you said about like cutting the rosette out of the paper I think it's that almost simplicity of things like that, that that you know really represents kind of the beauty of football and the community and what what it's all about and its origins in a very kind of you know working class you know people working hard all week to afford their you know to afford their ticket to afford their entry and you know and it being this massive event and I think that's what kind of makes it so so special. Yeah 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I think as well, back then, you you only had four or five channels on, on TV. So whenever there was a game like that, it was like a, a mass, such a massive event that the country would, the, would come to a standstill. Everyone would be talking about it and everybody would watch it, whether you liked football or you didn't like football. It was, it was you just had to, because it would be on in your house. Whereas I think nowadays, it's not like that. I can't really think of a game in the last 10 years where everybody stop to watch it. I think even, you know, World Cup finals now, people not that fussed, you know. I think there's a whole Netflix generation where if you're not into football, you just, just football just doesn't exist to you. Whereas I think back then it would, whether you liked it or not, um, you know, football caused the country to stop. I remember my mother-in-law telling me in Italia 90 that um, the banks in Ireland just shut. They were like, there's no point in being open because everyone's going to go and watch the football. <laughs> when, wow, uh, that's amazing, isn't it? I think it was Ireland were playing... Who did that? Ireland playing Italian 19? Was it, was it Italy? M- maybe that was 94. Um, maybe it was England. But she said, you just, you know, the whole... <laughs> you know, shops were just shut. Everyone was just like, everybody's going to watch the football, so what's the point? Whereas <laughs> yeah. I don't think that... No, it's, it's it's like you said. It's it's the rise of the uh, the kind of on demand culture that we've got at the moment with things like Netflix and things like Amazon Prime, and obviously football being um, you know which 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 is good, like much more accessible than I guess it's ever been in a lot of ways. You know, it's all over the telly, it's all over streams online. You know, you've got things like match of the day where, you know, if you're kind of a a more casual fan and you just want to see what's going on, you know, you can just flick on your TV and and it's there. I think, though, that even like match of the day isn't as... It's it's as accessible as it's ever been in some ways and then in other ways it's as restricted as it's ever been, you know, with the, the high ticket prices and... Um, pricing a lot of people out of out of getting to the game, but uh, I think like match of the day used to be such an event. I remember when I was at high school, you know, everybody would watch match of the day and talk about the English teams, and everyone would have an active interest in the Premiership. Not necessarily support someone, but we would all watch it and comment on the football. Whereas I don't know if it's such a what, what tends to happen now is that you see a couple of the goals on your Twitter feed, so you don't tend to... Yeah. To, and then you just kind of get out of the habit of watching it, and that that's where I'm at now. You know, I'm... Even COVID aside, I would say my interest in the English League is as low as it's ever been. I, I couldn't even tell you who some of the managers are, um, whereas I think my interest in the Scottish League is just is, is driven away up because I think people are looking for football closer to home um, I don't know if if people can identify with that or if people disagree with that because you know as we were saying the earlier football is probably as popular as it's ever been on, on platforms in terms of yeah. you know numbers worldwide but I, I think that sort of real football fans are feeling really detached from their clubs almost and, um, and, and their top flight leagues Yeah it's you know I definitely like it's it's difficult at the moment because obviously I was somebody who 
um, you know, would regularly travel to, uh, you know, West Brom matches kind of home and away. And it was a big part of my week. Obviously, you know, it would, uh, it'd be great for me to kind of like spend time with family and friends at the games and, you know, just the whole thing around supporting West Brom, you know, it, it means a lot and it has been difficult not being able to, not been able to be there. And I'm sure there's, there's lots of people who are, you know, are in my situation who follow their team kind of week in, week out. And now almost that barrier has been put up, obviously, by, you know, the restrictions and, um, you know, COVID-19 and everything at the moment. It has made it hard. And, you know, I, I, I totally sympathise with people who do feel, you know, a bit disconnected with their, you know, disconnected with their club. I think, like, for me, it's it's almost frustration. I wouldn't say I, I, I feel disconnected, you know, because it's been such a big part of my life for so long. Um, you know, I, I still watch every game, you know, whether it's on the telly or whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, it's, I guess it is, you know, it's frustrating and just missing being able to go. And, you know, like you were saying earlier, when we were I mean, obviously talking about one of your first Celtic games, that feeling of community and that feeling of togetherness, you just don't get sitting at home watching the telly you know I think even like the when you do go to games I think the the demographic of the supporters around you has changed as well it's like people are looking for the club to provide the entertainment whereas I kind of feel like when I used to go to games in the 90s and the early 2000s the support would be the entertainment they would entertain themselves they would sing songs they would you know you would hear lots of people shouting abuse and at the referee and you know funny things whereas I think all that sort of people are so reserved now because of the the camera phone culture of you know if I shout something out is somebody going to film me or do, do you know uh, I think it yeah um, yeah I mean you know I, I I do totally understand that kind of you know where you're coming from I think I think that has it's changed I mean, it's, it's the, it's the same it's 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 similar with kind of a lot of things though like I think a massive other thing is concerts like when you go to when you know when you go to concerts obviously it almost feels like another lifetime when you go to concerts but you you, you go along to these events and you kind of see people watching the music through their phone or um I, that's know, what like I mean. professional camera or whatever and it's just like be there be in the moment and enjoy it you know yeah definitely it's almost as if like they're filming it waiting for something to happen and you just think you'd be as well why did you pay to come here why did you not just stay at home and watch this on Sky Arts or watch it on YouTube or something you know yeah exactly like definitely and I think uh, a social media and it has a lot to has a lot to answer for you know in in regards to that you know people wanting to get the perfect Instagram story or Twitter post or thing for Facebook and it's you know I'm very much myself and it kind of sounds like you're you know, we think along the same lines, you know, when you're there, if you're at the football, if you're, if you're at, a, you know, a concert, you've got to be there in the moment, haven't you, and enjoy it. Well, um, I think that's why, as well, there's such an upsurge in, in sort of non-league football, we call it junior football in Scotland, but, you know, that whole thing of, you go along, you pay a fiver, you can have a couple of cans of beer at the side of the pitch, you can shout at the referee and he's going to hear you, you can have a laugh with your mates, I think people can see the value in that and the the authenticity of that more. And I think that's hopefully, you know, that can grow over the next few years. But I, I, can, I can't see a way back for, for like the Premier League now. I think it's got to just evolve into 
you know, a sort of European Super League for like Barcelona, Juventus, Bayern, you know, like a Champions League, but that, that's actually a league format, if that makes sense. I think that's what they'll ultimately end up at. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's a, it's a really interesting point. I mean, I still definitely feel with West Brom that there's still that strong kind of community togetherness feel because obviously West Brom, you know, we're, we're not the biggest club. It's not like we don't really have a lot of supporters who, um, who, who it's not something that's kind of like ran in their family or they're from the area or they've got some kind of direct link to the club, if you see what I mean. Because obviously we, you know, we, we do struggle. We're struggling at the moment in the Prem and, uh, you know, in my, uh, you know, in my, lifetime i'm 24 you know we have had some difficult difficult times and i but i think you know i totally see what you mean i think you know when you start to look at the top six the top seven move into these massive like olympic stadiums almost you know you you go because i remember i went to um west brom west ham in the in the fa cup this was last year obviously at the london stadium and it didn't feel like a football ground like you go to the hawthorns it's you know it's it's not the biggest stadium, but it, you, you know you, you feel the history. You feel, you know, you're close to the pitch. It creates that big atmosphere. But you go to some of you go to some of these grounds like the London Stadium, and you know I've only, I haven't actually been myself, but like the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and I kind of feel like it's it's become it's all a bit soulless, isn't it? Like these these new Olympic Park sort of stadiums that are you know that are starting to dominate for these bigger teams. Yeah, and soulless is the right word, and I think that's what influences a lot of shirt collectors. Is they they want to buy a shirt that reminds them of that time where football had a, an authenticity. Um, but it's funny you mentioned the stadiums because you know obviously during lockdowns and things you've had a lot of time to think about what you want to do post COVID. And one of the things that I would like to do is get down to England a bit more and see some visit some some proper stadiums, you know, because um, they're, they're disappearing fast, if you you know what I mean. Like you just mentioned Upton Park being replaced by the Olympic Stadium. And that, you know, that, that was just you know, a, a crime in, in my book. You know, Upton Park's one of those iconic English stadiums. Um, Main Road disappearing to the... And I know football has to... You have to move with the times, but... Um, yeah, I think while I still can, I'd like to get down to, you know, maybe see Ellen Road, um, Carroll Road. There's a, a few others I, I can't think off the top of my head, but I definitely want to get down and see them while I can, you know, and experience a game there. You should come down to the Hawthorns, mate. Love to, yeah. <laughs> I'll take you up. No definitely we'll uh, we'll have to get that one sorted and like yeah i mean you know and also looking around london as well you've got proper old school grounds like luton town um luton town. what's that sorry i've been to luton stadium oh yeah how was that it was uh so bad we left at half time did you go in the um did you go in the entrance in like the like by right by the houses no, I saw a picture of that on Twitter recently. Um, we went, I used to work in Milton Keynes and my friend okay. that I worked up there with, he was a Luton fan and another guy was a Tottenham fan. So he took me to see um, Spurs at um, White Hart Lane, the, the, obviously the old one, and they beat Inter Milan 3-0 and Bale was on fire. 
And then my other friend took me to see, uh, to, is it, what's the name of Luton Stadium? It's Kenilworth Road. That's it. I can't believe I remember that. But it was, uh, yeah, it was just one of those dreadful game, freezing cold. I, I know I was banging on about authenticity. I sound like a really big hypocrite here, but do you know that way sometimes we just, you when you've been drinking all day and then the football sometimes gets in the way of the drinking, it was kind of one yeah. of those where we did it a wee bit, overdid it before the match, so we just sort of had to just go back to the pub. But yeah, Luton was a bit of a... We bit of a depressing place. Sorry, any Luton fans that are listening in the town centre just depressed the life out of me. <laughs> and, and another one that always kind of sticks in my mind as well, which uh, another London one is uh, is the Valley um, Charlton Athletic. That's another yeah. old school kind of stadium. Um, you know, literally right in right in the middle of a housing estate. You walk down, and uh, yeah, proper classic old school ground. Yeah, Craven Cottage was one that I was thinking of as well. I couldn't remember off the top of my head, but you know, you look at that and the TV and it always looks like quite a quite a cool wee stadium, you know. But you'd yeah. be more than welcome to Glasgow, you know, because there's there's quite a few uh, you can go to up here. You've got obviously Celtic Park, um Rangers, I, I wouldn't be taking you there, but uh, <laughs> Patrick Thistle, St Mirren, Motherwell Hamilton, all pretty close by you know amazing so you know it's i think i think that's it like all over the uk we have got these amazing stadiums and amazing grounds and hopefully after you know after lockdown we you know everyone's going to go back out and you know support our local football clubs and uh you know get the football scene in you know all over the uk as you say you know kind of get it back going again and help the clubs out that need it because you know loads of teams are struggling at the moment Definitely try and pump as much money as we can into them because it'd be a shame if some of them go to the wall. Yeah, definitely. So um, obviously going back to going back to Celtic and um, and, you, and your kind of memories growing up. So obviously uh, talking about kits, uh, do you remember any Celtic kits in particular? That um, any that stand out to you? Any that you kind of have in your collection or things you want to add to your collection? Yeah, um, I actually still have my very first Celtic kit. Um, oh, lovely! Yeah, I I was it's got Mc, Paul McStay's name on the back, and it's got like the SPL um, badges on the sleeves, like the proper SPL badges. You know, they're like felt. It's really cool. Oh, amazing! So yeah, and it was it was that ninety five shirt. Um, I've actually just managed to buy one off eBay this week because uh, I've been meaning to try and get it for a while. And it's you know CR Smith, and it's kind of got the sort of Celtic um, themed detailing through the hoops, and it's got the kind of hooped big nineties collar. It's a really cool whole shirt. Uh, but yeah, so that that came along. Everyone kind of I remember everyone buying that because the one before it wasn't so nice, and then I think. The year, either that year or the following year, was the when they released the iconic Bumblebee shirt, and just everybody, I think every second person in Glasgow had that shirt on. Obviously, <laughs> the blue half of Glasgow didn't have it on, but you just saw it everywhere, and it was, you know, we're used to sort of gaudy designs now, but back then it was like, 
well, what are they thinking about? You know, it was really out there, but everyone just, I mean, loved it. And it's went down as one of the greatest shirts of all time. Whenever you see classic football shirts advertising for an exhibition, you, you they always include the, the Bumblebee shirt and the, as, as one of their sort of top 10 shirts. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I think Celtic kits do have a massive part in kind of like in football history, don't they? You know, they are some of the most iconic, and I think that green and white is recognisable all over yeah. the world. You know, by every you know by every football fan. Totally. I had it wasn't my first kit. I had an Arsenal kit and I had a Scotland kit, but that was when I was a toddler, so I don't remember. I don't ever remember wearing them. For all I know, they could have been putting me in a Rangers shirt. I wouldn't have had any say over the matter, but. <laughs> When I got the when I got the Celtic kit, that was one where I was like, "Can I have this for my birthday?" and was really excited to get it. So I'm, I'm really chuffed that I've still got it. Um, but I had loads of great kits when I was young because there was a shop. Anyone in Glasgow would probably have visited this shop at one point. But it's in what's called the Ford Shopping Centre, and it's called Mega Sports. And the same guy who ran it when I was a kid, still runs it. Paul, he's a really nice guy. And they would get, like, just mad stocking, and he would sell shirts for, like, a fiver. So you had half a Glasgow, like, running about, playing football in Kaiserslautern shirts or, like, you know, Wren shirts. Or, you know, it was just mad because he just have all these, this mad stock from, and he would sell it off really cheaply. Uh, so you could pick up some fantastic shirts. I had a Kaiser Slaughter shirt. I think that's actually how I realised that Santa didn't exist, was because um, one Christmas I got that as part of my presents, and I was like, the only place you could get that is from Paul and Mega Sports in the Forge, <laughs> so no chance Santa was like going in there. <laughs> so I think so, so that, I can... that's all on Paul then, Santa not being real, that's all on Paul at Mega Sports. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, yeah. He's got to take the heat from that, but he's a great guy. Gets um gets a lot of like stuff from Celtic as well, so that's where I got all those um shirts that I was selling on Twitter a while ago uh, from. Oh, amazing! So, and and it's good. It sounds like that he's a really kind of well supported, obviously. Uh, local business because I mean I mean for me when I buy um, a lot of West Brom stuff it's all kind of online it's eBay it's Depop whatever wherever I can find it so but it's good that uh, you know you've got that place to go to I guess in Glasgow and you can support a you know local local bloke yeah I mean it's um it's changed a bit now because he doesn't do adult shops anymore because he, he sort of said there was no money in it um, for his business model so what he sort of does now is just kids kits and tracksuits but you know he's, he's the business is thriving for him but he, he just the only adult stuff he gets in is just the Celtic stuff because he, I think he's got a connection at the club so uh, it's pretty good because it's, it's relative it's about it's right next to the stadium so on match days he'll, he'll do a, a great deal of business and stuff like that from from fans going in and just and, and because it's like player issue stuff as well you can get like a player issue training jumper for like 15 pounds oh wow so he was saying that he can't get the, the stuff just now because of covid from last year but see i think we're selling it all off pretty cheaply anyway i know uh last year they had <coughs> lots of all the shirts for 15 pounds and then m&m direct got a lot of stuff so 
I think everyone's sorted, but it'll be good when he gets the new Adidas stuff in. Amazing, yeah. I, th- I think that's it. It's, it's a really good place to look. I remember um, last season where West Brom had end of season sale, like you know, like you were saying with Celtic, and I managed to pick up a few match worn stuff, and it's only like 15, 20 quid. And it's like if you bought that off a off a seller, it might be like two, three times the price, you know, just because it's been match worn and it's it's you know it's direct from the club. Totally. I think if you can get into your club shops at the end of the year, you can find some really good bargains. I remember once Celtic had a really lovely um, away shirt. I think it was around 2011. Uh, maybe, no, maybe a bit, sorry, but 2008. And it was um, black and green vertical stripes. I don't know if you, you know the one I'm on about. It had a black collar. It was made by Nike. It was a really beautiful shirt. And uh, I got a player issue version of it without the Carlin logo for five five pounds at the end of the season. So it was long sleeve, wow. spot, beautiful shirt, you know, a fiver. Amazing. So yeah, that's it. And obviously, uh, you know, like we said a bit earlier on, being able to go out into the club shop and supporting your supporting your team, supporting your local clubs is you know, definitely something that I'd recommend. I think it's all, it's going to be really, really important that we do get out there, take advantage of these sales and, uh, yeah, support football on a local and national level. Yeah, definitely. That's it. So carry on um, kind of talking about Celtic. Obviously, um, how, what are your thoughts on things at the moment? Because obviously I'm not, I, I try and keep an eye on Scottish football and obviously I've done some reading and uh, research before this podcast. It kind of seems like there's a lot of resentment towards uh, Neil Lennon and his team at the moment and obviously results and things uh, kind of haven't been going great. But what's, what's your thoughts on uh, things up at Celtic Park at the moment? Yeah, I mean, it's just been a total disaster. Uh, nobody's, I mean, a lot of fans were... We, we had Brendan Rodgers as, as manager and maybe we were a bit lucky to get him. Maybe the only reason he came to Celtic was because he, he had a connection to the club, or so he says. But you, you would think after Lennon, after Rodgers that they would go out and they would try and get another top-level coach, whereas they kind of went for the local hero as such. And Lennon's done a decent job as Celtic manager before, but he's, he's, you know, he's, he's like bang average, so... I don't know if you know, but the, the record in, in Scottish football for consecutive titles is, is nine. Celtic did it in the 60s and the 70s, and then Rangers equaled it in the in the 90s. So Celtic were, for a decade now, have been banging on about getting 10 in a row. So it was a huge yeah, season. Yeah, breaking the record. Yeah, and they just totally slept at the wheel, essentially. Um, they, they brought in some good players in the summer, so we probably have one of the best squads we've had for... A good few years, but just not the right manager to bring out the best in them. But also at a boardroom level, I think sometimes a club can just go a bit stale. And I think there's maybe a bit of that as well. They need some some fresh blood in at the in at the top level. Um, it's maybe become a wee bit too much of a pals act, you know, look, looking after each other. Um, a couple of two seasons ago. Um, our chief executive failed to sort of sign John McGinn when he was at Hibs. And I think he was trying to get every last penny out of a £2 million deal. And now, you know, John McGinn eventually got tired. Asa Villa came in, snapped him up, £2 million. I'll give you £2 million, no problem. You know, 
and he's just went on to be an absolute sensation down south. And you kind of th- he's done that a couple of times, and fans are thinking. And then you go and spend two million on some other total numpty that just is useless. You know, it's, it can yeah. be really. But I think because McGinn was a Celtic fan, and he's been such a revelation in the Premiership. You know, Aston Villa are absolutely flying this year. Um, it hurts just to say it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he's just such a solid midfielder. But as, as, I don't know. I think as well they have been painfully unlucky this season. Certainly, everything that could have went wrong has went wrong. Covid's affected them. Like they had an outbreak of Covid just before the first Celtic and Rangers game, so some key players were missing. So everything that could have went wrong has went wrong. But on the flip side of that, I mean. Rangers have been excellent. You can't take it away from them. They've they've got the results. They've played some really good football. Gerard's got them really well organised, well drilled. They play so well away from home in Europe. It's unbelievable. Um, just got to take your hats off to them. You know that the, they're the better team this year, and that's it. Um, there's still that daft fan part of you. When if it's not over till it's actually over, you think maybe if they lose five times and draw nine times and we win by six goal margins every game, we might still win it. But I, I can't see it. I think it's time to just accept one not going to be the top dogs this year and uh, take our take our medicine as such. Well, I mean, I, I guess um, you know, reading kind of, I was reading some Celtic blogs and things. I think it might be the season where, if you can get rid of Neil Lennon and bring somebody else in, it might be the season to kind of rebuild and, um, you know, and then look at a, look at that title challenge again next season. I think because Celtic have been so successful, they've, they've won the three domestic trophies in Scotland four years in a row, and I think. It's more like the changing of the guard. It's more than just a manager change. It needs to be a total, that's the end of this era. We need yeah. to start play, you know, new players, new manager, new boardroom, you know, new challenges. I think it's more more of that. And I think it's just this whole season has been a morning of past glories. Um, but... That's football. You, you can't win every time, and if you did, then you wouldn't appreciate it. That's it. So, so obviously, you mentioned kind of new era and moving forward. So, are there any names, um, players-wise, anyone who you, you would look to in January, or even um, I, I know it's difficult. There's kind of a, a bit of a lack of managers out there. Obviously, uh, with my my club, West Brom, changing managers recently, uh, you know, it, it, it quickly became apparent that there are a lack of managers out there at the moment but is there any names in particular that um you know that you'd like to see at Celtic Park um I think the the the, the odds on favorite just now is Eddie Howe just now uh, with the with bookmakers I'm not I've, I've kind of lost the interest in English football over the last year so I'm not as sure of what his abilities are and I know that his assistant's still the manager at Bournemouth so I don't know if if, he, if you're sort of paying for a name. Um, but I think anyone coming in, we do need a change, so anyone coming in could lift it. But for me, I'd like to see Celtic just just try and get somebody a bit more, you know, maybe someone European, go down that route. Celtic's got a great platform for playing attacking football because we have so much possession up here in Scotland. You know, 
the fans the fans want to see a bit like Man United in that sense. That there's it's almost like it's not just an expectation of wanting to win. It's we'd rather just see us playing entertaining football. And I think um, I'd, I'd I'd like maybe someone like Valverde who was at Barca. You know, someone who could come in and who's yeah. got good. Someone, just someone who's got a good level at that sort of mid-card European team, you know, like Olympiacos, Sporting Lisbon, Bilbao, you know, someone who's been around those sort of teams and could, you know, I, I, my dream can choice would have been Bielsa before he went to Leeds because I just think him and Celtic would have been a match made in heaven. He loves attacking football and he's off his head. And that <laughs> <laughs> He would have been. I just think he'd have been such a hit in Glasgow, but wasn't to be. Yeah. So, um, so, so obviously, manager, manager wise, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Bielsa might have been a, uh, you know, a potential avenue kind of for you guys to explore. But it will be interesting to see, and I'll definitely be keeping my eye on, uh, you know, who, who takes over. So, is with Neil Lennon? Is it something that's imminent? Him, him leaving, or do you reckon this is something that might drag on until the end of the season, or? Might not even happen at all. Who knows? I mean, I think it was kind of common knowledge that regardless of winning the league or not winning the league, that this change that I was talking about was going to happen at the end of this summer. Like the CEO, the mm. logo was going to be leaving. Well, as as rumoured, you know, um, this is just widespread rumour, but, the, you know, everybody knew there had to be a change in the garden. I think Lennon would have been with that. It's just a shame he's not leaving a hero and he's leaving under a dark cloud. But... Um, I, I don't know if it's imminent because it's, part of me thinks it's unfair as well for a new manager to come in and oversee losing a title to Rangers for the first time in 10 years you know, I think then they, they're kind of stuck with that um, on their record but then on the other flip side of that is that if he could come in now he could maybe get them organised for for the European qualifiers and, and kind of start in July so I don't know I think with Scottish football is fantastic because it just changes day by day so we just need to wait and see there's always so many funny things happening there's a really really good Twitter account called Simpsons SPFL um, and it's whatever the there's always a just a daft story with Scottish football like somebody's commented on something and he finds like Simpsons storylines that are I've been, I can't, I, I'm not doing it justice, but if you have a if you have a look at it, it's just he always just nails it on the head. It's really good. But <laughs> definitely, yeah, I'll uh, I'll be giving that one a follow. So carry on, kind of mention about Celtic. Obviously, there's been quite a controversial um, trip to Dubai uh, that that's gone on recently. What's what's your thoughts on that? Because obviously, from from my understanding, that it was it was something pre-planned, but obviously, how things are at the moment. Um, obviously, with the lockdown, coronavirus, travel restrictions, and obviously Celtic's form, um, you know, I, I, you know, I understand why you know it's been so controversial. But what are what are your thoughts on the whole thing? Well, the 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 trip was planned in September and was agreed by like the joint COVID task force. So I think Celtic, because they had in the previous when when Brendan Rodgers was manager, he started this. Um, visit to Dubai in, in January um, for a bit of hot weather training and it's obviously paid dividends because we've been so successful so I think Celtic have always were, were really keen to get over there and because they had the green light I think they were adamant that they were going 
but I, I just don't think they read how the context of, or they just didn't read the read the room. Essentially, the country was heading into a, a severe lockdown, and um, the the. They just should have went. It's as simple as that. You know, people are going without seeing their loved ones, and you know, you've got pictures of the manager and the captain sitting having pints by the pool. I just think it was unacceptable, and that was always going to happen. Um, and especially as well, they got beat by Rangers on the day they flew out, and you kind of think they don't deserve. <laughs> you know, there's that whole fan in you that's like they don't deserve a, a holiday to Dubai. They deserve to go and be run around the public park tent you know yeah double that, yeah 100 percent. i think uh you know i I, to- I totally understand that and i guess you know what we were talking about early on with you know in some cases that disconnect between mm-hmm. the fans and the club in this period of time as you know especially where we can't be at the grounds and i guess things like that are you know only widen it don't they? You know, when you've got people struggling, people going out and, you know, losing their jobs and, you know, losing loved ones, you know, it's, it's been such a difficult time. And then, you know, as you say, seeing your, you know, seeing your Celtic heroes uh, sitting out by the pool after, you know, a pretty difficult season, it's, uh, as you say, not not read the room. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, it was just a poor decision to go. It's just been a catalogue of errors this whole year. If there was any chance that the you know, the country list of if you come back, you need to quarantine. If there was any chance of that changing, they shouldn't have went. And that's exactly what happened. So Celtic have now drawn their last two fixtures because they've had 13 players missing because they had one player with COVID. And you just think, it's just not acceptable. That's when the club have actually cost us points with their decision-making. And this is supposed to be the most important year we've had for decades it's, and we're paying for you know a, an expensive season ticket not getting to see the football uh, and it just feels as if the club have just taken the fans for for granted this year they, they ought to they need, they need to make up to the fans massively i would say over the summer yeah 100 percent. so obviously i'm kind of leading on from that do you think football as a whole um and this is talking um, obviously in Scotland, down here in, um, in England as well, over in Wales. Do you think that football should carry on at all during the pandemic? Or do you think it's something that should be uh, just halted completely, obviously, because of the difficult situation we're all in at the moment? I think if the players are comfortable doing it and, and all the staff involved are comfortable doing it, then I think it should go ahead because, and as long as everyone's been appropriately tested, it should go ahead because... It, it does give people regularity in their in their week, and it just gives you something to have, you know, that carrot to get to the end of the week. You know, help you to regulate your your week um, in this sort of lockdown haze. That I, I remember in the first lockdown, I was like, I don't even know what day it is, you know. Whereas I think at least the football allows you to just have a bit of respite from if you sit down and watch a game of football. That's a that's a normal thing that you would usually be doing and. Obviously, you would go and watch your own team, but, uh, you know, say I was watching a different game, it, it just feels normal. And I think you need little little nuggets like that during lockdown of just normality because it's, it's just been a horrendous 12 months. And I say horrendous. I've personally not been 
affected by COVID. So I can't, you know, I would be the, the back of the queue to be calling it horrendous, but I know I appreciate that people have lost loved ones or maybe them themselves have lost their life. Uh, it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's just been a tough year, but hopefully with the vaccine, we'll, we'll all get to the other end of it. Fingers crossed, mate. Fingers crossed. And obviously, uh, you know, what you mentioned there in regards to football being, you know, a, a great a great distraction, you know, in, in these difficult times and something regular that we can, uh, you know, keep our focus on. So kind of moving on to, um, to obviously uh, your Twitter, which obviously I think, you know, been able to, you know, connect and talk to like-minded people about football, about shirts, you know, has been, uh, you know, I, I'd imagine it's been a great, great thing to be able to do, especially, you know, in, in the difficult times that we're in at the moment. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think what can I... I've not, I'm not a massive fan of social media for my own personal... Like, I don't have a Facebook account or an Instagram account. And I always had Twitter to keep up to date with football and current events. But I didn't really like the fact that it was my own account posting. And what kind of brought me into the kit community was um, Kitspire's deals. So, uh, you know, I was always looking to see where the deals were. And then just through interacting, seeing people interact, and then um, I just thought, do you know what? I actually want to, I want to showcase shirts from my collection, but I'm not really comfortable doing it through my own account, if that makes sense. So I, that's why I set up a sort of anonymous account. And one of the big things I'm, I quite like doing, why why the account is Future Classics is I like buying shirts on the sale at the end of the season. So coming up to this sort of time we're moving into, and then you know predicting what will become a, a sort of future classic. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean that that kind of uh, kind of answers the question I was I was going to mention. Obviously, the content on your Twitter, and that's it. You know, it, it's it's all about show, showcasing your shirts and and obviously selling your shirts as well, which which uh, which you've mentioned. I think just selling shirts was kind of I can I was I had those I got those shirts those Celtic shirts and that was a, a sort of one off um, to do that and then there was another big um, kind of thing that I stumbled into where DW Sports was like going to the wall and they were selling off these like Adidas um, shirts that were supposed to be out for the Euros but then the release date got put back but they were selling them and then they had like 40% off everything so they were like selling unreleased shirts for like 20, £21 I think it was so wow. I was I was buying them and trying to move them on to the shirt community and make a little bit of profit naturally because you're going to the trouble of doing it but of course. Uh, not I mean it's not ripping anyone off I think I was selling them for £35 so if you think that's an unreleased shot that would be £70 it's genuine and you're getting a half price before it's even out I still think that's a pretty good deal so they, they flew out they flew out the door um, and then the the profit that I got I just spent on my own collection so you know it's not as if it was a business or anything like that it's just to buy a few extra shirts for your own collection Amazing so um, it's obviously moving on, talking more about um, your shirt collection, which obviously uh, we'll put the links to your Twitter, uh, wherever you are uh, listening or watching this, it'll be in the description. So check it out. Some great, uh, great content over there. 
Um, but what is your favourite all-time shirt that you own at the moment? That I own? That you um, own, yeah. Yeah, I've got a couple. Um, I brought them out so you could see them. I know this is a audio content, but... Let's uh, have a look. No, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> so, uh, I'll give you the backstory. Um, my my dad knew Paul McStee, um, and he he had a cousin who was a, a priest out in Nigeria, and he asked Paul if he could have a shirt so that they could raffle it off and um, they were having like a fundraising night and so they could raffle it off and make some money. But I think Paul had misunderstood what he was asking and he thought my dad was asking for football strips for a team in Africa. So one day he turned up to my um, my grand's house and he had like two bin bags full of like the Scotland kit from the previous, they were playing an international against Portugal. I don't know if it was a qualifier or a friendly or something. And uh, like just two bin bags worth of the Scotland kit and was like, there's those team, like that's a team strip for that team. And he was like, no, I only meant like one job. <laughs> but so um, he just said, oh, we'll just keep them and raffle them all off and give them money. So that's what they did. So my dad bought one of them at the, the night for me. And uh, it's a sort of Scotland 92. Wow, look at that. Uh, it's got like the nice, like, so a felt four on the back. So we've got the full kit. Um, it was like a few different shorts. I think these were the best condition. Yeah, the four. Nice. And the socks in the proper nineties. Uh, like really cool. So I love that. Oh, wow, amazing. Yeah, there's like my dad got Paul to sign a wee thing just to say it was. Say it was genuine, you know. So oh, brilliant. Look at that. Such a nice guy for doing that. So that's probably why he was my hero growing up, Paul McStay. Um, and then the other one I've got, I'll just grab. Go for it. Was, I don't know if you're aware of the cult icon that is Paddy McCourt. He's my one of my favourite Celtic players, but um, I managed to get one of his. Oh, of nice. nice. What season's that from? Uh, that was 2011, no, 2009, 2009, 2010, I think that was. And it was a sort of reissue of the Bumblebee shot that Nike did. Um, and somebody was selling that on eBay. Uh, it's got like my coat on the back and I managed to get him to sign it as well, have a wee chat with him. Uh, he was doing like a, he was doing a, like a speaking event and I went along to it and he signed it and stuff. Uh, so somebody was selling this on eBay and I don't think they realised that it was... Again, I think they just bought it because I messaged them. They were, oh, I just bought it at the club shop and uh, I got it for £40. So I think that's pretty wow. good for a Europa League spec. Yeah, shirt. that's incredible. So, and and it's, it's great as well that you've got that amazing memory, obviously, of meeting your, meeting your hero and getting it signed. So I'm, I imagine that's one that you treasure. Definitely, I've not got round to getting in a frame yet, but that'll be going in a... I'm not a massive fan of frame shots, but I think if I could get those two framed, I'd, and, uh, I'd be happy with that. But yeah, it's just a... Like, Paddy McCourt is essentially George Best in the wrong generation. He, he just had all the skills, but football had moved on fitness-wise, so he just couldn't hack it in top-level football. But if you 
if you have 10 minutes, go on to YouTube and watch his best goals for Celtic and you'll see why the fans loved him. He could literally take the ball from the halfway line and dribble it into the box and score. He, he was just so skilled. Um, I remember Anthony Stokes saying in the programme notes that at seven asides, he's just unplayable. You just can't get the ball off him. Um, but he just didn't have the fitness and it was just purely down to fitness. They tried everything, but uh, I heard a story that on his first training session at Celtic, he came from Derry and uh, Derry City AFC and in his first training session at uh, with Celtic, he had to, he, like he broke down and they had to get the oxygen tank out to give him some air. I don't know if that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, what a story. <laughs> Good story. <laughs> Brilliant. So, um, so obviously, we, we've had a bit of a look at some of your favourite shirts. Amazing. I, I mean, I don't know if these will be ones that you own, but are there any shirts that, that stick out that you don't like? Do you have a least favourite shirt? Anything you think's overrated or thinking that's not something that I'll be uh, buying for my collection? Um, there's a couple. Uh, when I was young, I remember having that grey Man United shirt because my dad got it a sports shop because they were selling them off cheap and I liked Man United at the time because you were because of Cantona and also that whole thing of they would be they seem to be I'm probably wrong in this but they seem to be the only English team that were in the Champions League so they used to show on Channel 3 and it was like if it was on you may as well watch it but it was around that whole time of I think Alex Ferguson um Sorry, I think it was um, around the time of when they won the, the treble in 99. So, obviously, Alex Ferguson being from Glasgow, there was that connection. Uh, so, I think, yeah, but I see that grey kit now and I just I don't like it at all. Um, is, that, is that the one with the Sharp sponsor? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bendis. And I think, I don't know, uh, I think that's why the shirt community is good. Like, I like the debate just now. People are not liking the Ajax shirt or not thinking it's as good as everyone else is. I love it. I think it's a brilliant shirt. But one of the ones this year was the Forward Madison shirt over in America. People were going mad for it. And I just, to me, I just didn't see it at all. It's, you know, one man's treasure is another man's garbage. Do you know, it's, I don't know. To me, if somebody said, do you want that shirt for free? I'd be like, no, nah, you're okay. Whereas yeah, another definitely quid for it you know it's just but that's what the, that's why it's interesting to to be part of a kit community yeah definitely you know we've, everyone's got their own opinions aren't they and what they like what they don't like and obviously sometimes it doesn't have to be down to shirts that you you know you've got any particular connection to the team it's just you don't like the design yeah that's it um my the whole thing about shirts is i've always liked quite simplistic designs um and ones that are sort of based on a throwback of almost like when that team had, had their subutio kit. You know, if you think of a West Brom kit, just a plain white and blue vertical striped shirt or for Celtic green and white hoops. So I like it when they just keep it simple, but with a modern sort of twist. And I think Adidas in the last couple of years have released some fantastic shirts like the like the remake. The, the World Cup 2018 shirts were just tremendous, I thought all of them were fantastic um, but I think we're maybe moving out of that, this might be the last sort of year or two of, of that and we might move into some wacky templates again, uh, so because it always comes in cycles. 
Yeah, definitely stuff like the bruised banana and and that kind of era of era of shirts. Absolutely. Um, so, do you have a uh, a regret a shirt that you regret selling? Yeah, loads. Um, I think you know. I, I think we mentioned earlier about when you want something new and you end up selling stuff to try and raise the funds for that. Or uh, I think that happened to me a lot when I was younger. When you you're not in, you know, you know, you're maybe a student or whatnot. And uh, one of the ones that I had was a, I had a really nice Panathinaikos top and it had a it was like a lovely bottle green colour and a gold shamrock badge and uh, I just I remember just being like oh never sell that never sell that and then obviously you maybe need the money to fund for something else but I remember it being a large and I had just sort of moved into the XL shirt so I wasn't really wearing it and I sold it and I think back to it now and I'm like I should never have sold that it just it was just such a beautiful shirt um so this year i think one of my collecting goals is to try and right some of the wrongs of shirts that i'd sold maybe when i was uh skint or whatever try and try and buy them back so um that's why i bought the celtic home 95 shirt and uh, just before christmas i bought the one of the mexico home shirts i think it was from 2016 so oh, i remember saying and I just regretting it as soon as I sold it, and then I've corrected it now. So, yeah, just just righting some of the wrongs of of shop regret past. Yeah, no, sounds good. Sounds good. Um, so so obviously, uh, you know, good talking more in regards to shirt collection is obviously you know a massive part of your um Twitter and kind of social media presence. Um, just just simply, what do you think are the positives and what do you think are the negatives of shirt collecting? Um, positives is interaction. Like if you think about shirt collecting, is just giving people a you know a, a bit of a hobby or a focus during lockdown. Um, I think when we come out of lockdown, I think it'll be great because I think hopefully you know we can um, we can have more sort of shirt conventions almost where people can meet up and buy and sell shirts, but also maybe some of the kit community might want to meet up and showcase shirts or just meet up to, to see who the faces behind the, the monikers are. Um, I know I would be up for that. Um, so yeah, it's just good to be part of a community. I think it's good to see what other people's, what what drives other people in their collections. Um, but I think that there is also a downside of, and also like people trying to help each other get a fair price for for a shirt as well and, and, and trying to regulate the market together I think is a really good thing. People, you know, highlighting fakes and highlighting when, like just now, people are buying shirts off M&M Direct and then doubling the price, that sort of thing. Um, and just trying to make sure people don't give them the money so that they, they don't... Uh, they don't take shirts out of the hands of those who actually want to collect and wear them. But I think the downside is, is that it can be highly addictive as well. And uh, collecting is like a dog chasing a bus almost. I think mm. that whenever, I think the thrill of collecting for me is finding something 
rare that you can't walk into a shop and just buy. You, so you have to wait and it come up on eBay or you have to see it on Twitter. Um, and, and I think that it can, it can become addictive. You can get addicted to, you know, refreshing Twitter. Sometimes you can go on Twitter and you can't get off it. Sometimes you can go on eBay and you can't get off it. I think money-wise as well, I think people can sometimes overstretch themselves. And also think people can get too hyped up on things. Um, an example would be the Inter Milan third shirt. I remember when it was coming out, everyone was going mad for it or can't wait for it to come out, things like that. And I was almost ready to buy it at full price just because I didn't want to miss out on, on getting that shirt and being able to post my delivery. And I kind of thought, do you know what? It will be around at the end of the season. I do like the shirt, but... I can wait until it's £25, £30. Um, so I think sometimes we can put pressure on ourselves and that's not good because at the end of the day, they do cost money. And as I said earlier, it can be wasted money sometimes if you're just buying them, wearing them and then, you know, six months down the line, selling two or three of them to buy one. No, definitely. Uh, I, th I, think, I think it's a really good point. It, it's all about like, you know, and this is wider than just... Um, obviously, you know, with your, um, you know, with your shirt collecting, it's, it, it's not doing it for social media. It's not doing it to kind of just display it to other people. Look what I've got. It's getting it because it's something that you genuinely want. And, you know, that you'll get some kind of satisfaction out of something that you might wear and get, you know, you some value out of, you know, there's no point just, just kind of getting it, as you say, just to keep up with the, keep up with the sales and keep up with what everyone else is buying, because, it's it's as you say like a dog, like a dog chasing a bus. Yeah, that's a that, that's the best way to describe it. I think part of shirt collecting is the thriller tracking something down and finding it and getting it, and also sometimes haggling can be fun as well. You know, people get really annoyed when people lowball offer them on Depop, but all they're trying to do is just start like at a low negotiation point. They're not expecting to get it for that price. Um, so I, I kind of enjoy haggling for shirts and negotiating. Um, but I think, for me personally, for the shirts that I wear, I, I don't think it's wise to have any more than maybe 20 shirts in your collection. You know, sometimes you see people's pictures on Twitter and it's like, I think when it gets into, like, you know, people like 500 shirts and stuff like that, I mean, that's that's when you're sort of thinking... You're never going to, half of them you've never, even I think if you had 50 shirts, you'd, you'd never wear them, half of them, you know, you just, you, they're just there and it's always about the next one, the next one, whereas I think sometimes you can have a shirt delivery and you think, I've actually got like 10 shirts that are better than this in my, in my cupboard, I should just be appreciating what I have rather than always looking for the next thing. No, definitely, it's, uh, you know, it, it's a good message in general life as well isn't it you know appreciating what you've got and it's just, you know especially important at the moment yeah definitely the less you have the more you appreciate it i've probably got about, about 10 non-celtic shirts and about five celtic shirts i kind of rotate between and i'm really happy with those it's a kind of combination of modern shirts and pick up a couple of classics but I'm not I'm not crazy about classic shirts to be honest I, I prefer more always kind of prefer modern shirts um but yeah like I'm not uh I, you I'm sure you'll interview other people with like 
some fantastic classic shirt collections, but I've got one or two that I love and uh, I think I'm happy with it. Yeah, that's that's what it's all about, mate. So, um, changing the topic, I guess, slightly, do you collect anything else? Is it just football shirts that you've got at the moment or is there anything else that you uh, you like to try and pick up? No, just football shirts. I'm a, uh, just football's always been my main hobby, my main uh, focus. Football shirt collecting, I've always enjoyed just scrolling on eBay and trying to find bargains. And one of the things I'm trying to do with my Twitter account this year is to, on a Sunday night, highlight like eBay bargain of the week. And all it is is just a, a platform for people to show, show something that they've bought off eBay. That was a that was a bargain, so that people as hopefully that can grow, and then more and more people can see what's out there. That there are tips and tricks to searching on eBay, and also there are you know you can get you know guys like um, some of the big companies. All they're doing is buying off eBay and then selling to you for a huge markup. So you may as well get in there first and try and get them off eBay at the source. Um, so I think that's what I'm trying to do. With my page this this year is to is to just highlight what what's on eBay and that there's there is some good value there. There's a whole load of fakes, of course there is, but if you know how to check for authenticity, then you can you can find some really good deals. That's amazing. So um, obviously that sounds really really good. Highlighting um, you know eBay bargains. Um, is there anything else that you're planning to do with your uh, with your Twitter page uh, this year and going forward? Yeah, I think. Uh, I'm not, I mean, it's just a hobby for me. It's not ever going to be um, a business or anything like that. I, I, I just, I, I'd quite like to post-COVID try and arrange something maybe in Glasgow for shirt collectors to meet up. Um, but also one of the ideas I had was post-COVID for the kit community, maybe meet up in Manchester because it's quite a central point. And also you've got the National Football Museum down there. So you could go and see some shirts and you've also got classic football shirts down there as well so maybe try and arrange something uh, for people to meet up and see the the faces behind the, the, the sort of twitter handles as it were yeah definitely sounds really really good and i guess um coming up to obviously the end of the podcast now but there's a couple more things that i want to uh want to ask um so obviously we've seen the rise of football shirt and football memorabilia mystery boxes um recently there are loads and loads of accounts trying to sell them and what what are your thoughts on them do you think they're value for money or do you think uh you know people are better off looking elsewhere i think it depends i, I think there are a couple of accounts out there that are genuine and that if you bought from them you're going to get a random team for not the money, you know, if you're paying £40, you're maybe going to get a £20-£25 shirt, which I think is fair value. You've got to make some profit on it, otherwise what's the point in doing it? But pay £40 to get a you know, a £12 shelter top from M&M Direct, it's just daylight robbery for me. Um, so there's obviously a lot of people that have cottoned on to this and that are doing it, and I think where the problem lies in it is that a lot of the Twitter handles are like similar sounding mystery this and mystery that and it's hard to know you know the woods the wood from the trees um but i'm actually going to buy my first mystery box this year um one of the accounts i saw can't remember the name of it um is it boom boom boxes and it's like Arge argentinian clubs 
So the the source. Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. The, the only one I know is the only one I can think of on top of my head. Anyway, is uh, Bundesliga boxes. I know they're quite popular at the moment. They've got a good yep. little business going. Oh. Yeah, I'd like to get one of those. The, one of their uh, boxes as well at some point this year. But I I get this real hankering to go to Argentina to see a game. Um, so I think I'm going to get one of. Hold on, I'll get that copy. Uh, Bombo box, La Bombo box. So, uh, yeah. So they'll they'll do like a random shot from a club team in Argentina. So, I think I'd like to pick up one of those. So there are like I, I like the idea of sending away you know forty pound if you can afford it. It's it's not huge money. You know you're not talking hundreds of pounds. But if you can afford it, then it's a bit of fun. You know you're going to you don't know what you're going to get and you know, might kick uh, kick off an interest in a in a in a new team for you because how do you really pick a team to support other than what you're born into? So, I think I think that they can they can be good value, but I think you have to be very careful. Yeah, that's that, that's a really good um, that's a really good uh, angle to look at it. And just finally, um, obviously, we've kind of touched on it, but um, as as an overall um, as an overall question, how has how has the lockdown, how have the restrictions uh, in place currently? How has that been for you? It's hard um, not getting to play football and, and seeing your friends from a social aspect. Not hard not going to watch football as well, but. You know, I'm safe, my family's safe. We're just making the best of it, you know. We go out and walk the dog a lot around the park. Um, but other than that, just staying in, indoors, and watching football on TV, watching Netflix. Um, just just, just keeping safe. I'm, uh, I was a sort of frontline worker in, in schools because for the last... Summer term to Christmas term, we were we were open, so uh, there's you know it's hard to socially distance with when you're teaching sort of ten year olds, but no, of uh, you know it's we're now online teaching and that's a challenge in itself. But you know as long as I'm safe, I'm not going to try and grumble too much about it. It's to me, it's it's been an inconvenience rather than a than a life life altering. Uh, consequence, so I, I can't I can't sit here and say that uh, it's affected me that badly. I'm fa- I'm safe, my family's safe, so uh, I'm not going to grumble too much. That's amazing, great to hear. So I just want to say a massive thank you for your time this afternoon uh, for coming on the podcast. I've really really enjoyed it. It's been great. No problem at all. Thanks very much for asking me to do it, and and I've really enjoyed. It. I hope it's. Uh, I hope it's, people find it interesting and you know for me I'm going to make sure I tune in and listen to some of the other interviews that you do with some of the other Twitter accounts out there. Brilliant thanks very much mate so make sure you check out Jimmy on Twitter um, as I mentioned earlier on I will obviously put the link to his social media uh, in the description box of wherever you are listening to this but uh, yeah it's Future Classics 89 uh, it's, it's an Argentina shirt isn't it your uh, profile uh- picture? get like a, a, a design or something sorted this year at some point to to but I, I really love that shot I think that's a fantastic shot I've, it's one of the ones I've got so uh, I don't plan changing it anytime soon and if I do make a logo it'll be a variation of that I think 
Nice. Awesome. Well, thanks again, mate. And that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody.